Hey everybody, welcome to My Town Hustle. Today's episode is about the future of rural transportation. Stay tuned. Welcome to My Town Hustle, where we take an in-depth look at the people, policies, and processes that make small towns work. Focusing on trends in urbanism and creative economies, My Town Hustle explores the ideas that make our community special. So sit back and enjoy the show. Yeah. How about that. All right. That wasn't Jared. That was not Jared. Who that, was that? That was Brett. Brett. So you might notice Jared is on vacation today. We miss Jared. Yes. But the hustling in our town carries on. It always carries on. So he, he wouldn't want it any other way. So that over there is Sam Tootin of Sixmo City Services. What's going on? And as always, and still, I am Brett Alfin, sometimes called the Yoda of all Some, things government. Sometimes. Sometimes. You don't get to do the, hey, everybody. Which I will say to traditional. Hey, everybody. (laughs) All right. So today uh, I wanted to talk about the future of rural transportation. Yes. And, you know, Sam and I have both worked in uh, local government Mm -hmm. and worked for, uh, you know, small municipalities and other rural governments. And transportation is a huge issue. Yeah. And so um, I want I have something here I wanted to talk about. And um, Sam is never the intrepid host. He's ready down for anything. I'm down. And so we're going to talk about rural transportation um so actually my town hustle listeners i'm i'm actually coming to you first so i I was invited to speak on a panel for drive ohio which is an initiative that's going on in ohio and they are launching an automated driving system project here in southeastern ohio which i'm super excited about i was a part of it at the regional council and i've I've stayed engaged with that project as i've come over uh, to the private sector and the idea is, in this project, uh, this group Drive Ohio is going to deploy some connected and autonomous vehicles on State Route uh, 33 or 32 between Athens and MacArthur. Okay. And the idea is, they're going to use that uh, corridor to collect data. So most of the data that's out there right now that is used in testing connected and autonomous vehicle systems comes from Texas and California and New York. And so it's either collected in the desert or it's, co- it's collected in urban areas. And I would argue, and I don't, don't at me, I don't know the exact number, but I would argue that like 90% of our country is more like Marietta, Ohio, than it is like um, the desert in Texas or downtown Manhattan. Yes. Right. Yeah. So collecting this data in where, in areas where it's most like the places where it will be deployed is really important. Yeah. So I, I'm, and it's cool that it's happening in our little neck of the woods here in Ohio. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm basically going to give to you, listener, and to you, Sam, mm-hmm. the, the comments that I'm going to share at this panel, yeah. uh, kind of an early version. And so it'll nice. kind of let you know how I feel about um, rural transportation and where it's going and kind of what I've seen over 20 years working in southeastern Ohio. Yeah. So uh, before I go, before I launch, Sam, yes. any, any comments or feedback to that? Oh, man. I think... Did you even know that was happening? I did not know that was happening. I love that. I think paying a picture, too, for... for, I I went on... I got my laptop sitting here, and I pulled up the map. I'm a big... um, My wife went to OU in Athens. I'm a big Athens fan. Um, I kind of want to paint a picture, too, I guess, of that area. But it is very rural. It's very very small. It's very terrain. You know, it's in the um, Wayne National Forest. Um, But there's a college in Athens, you know? So I think... I think it's... 
it hits a little bit of both worlds maybe i don't know what the target audience for them to and and where exactly the routes are going to be and you know who would utilize it and when but it's uh it's cool it's cool in in that regard that you know it's 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 still going to have the benefit and have like a demographic that's pretty large. Yeah. A, a people who are in rural cities, uh, schools and younger people who are also located there. Um, and then just, so, so that's awesome stuff. That's, that's the only comment I have to make. I think they picked a pretty good location. Well, and, it, and I think the important thing about it, the thing I get excited about it is, is, is working with local officials. I think their perspective is that something like this could prop could may never happen in our communities, yeah. our rural communities, or if it does, it's not going to happen for another 50 or 60 years. Yeah. I would argue based on this project and, you know, things that I'm seeing developing out there that we're way closer to that than, than you might think. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily totally predicated on having widely available and ubiquitous internet. Yeah. Um, a lot of this technology is just um, not driverless. We're not necessarily talking about only driverless. We're talking about yeah. driver assist programs, things mm-hmm. that truck platooning that increase uh, mileage, you know, in long haul freight operations and stuff like that. So it's not yeah. like uh, computerized robot trucks driving themselves. I mean, that is part of it, but that's the smallest part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, but so, so it's cool that this is happening. And I, and I think it's good to kind of illustrate that it's closer than we think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, all right, so um, where I would start in this commentary is, you know, over the past 20 years working with these communities, I've seen clearly that transportation is the like, most critical issue affecting our residents across the region. Yeah. And it affects every area of their life. So that's healthcare, workforce, education, you know, everything that we do in our daily lives is, is impacted by our ability to access transportation. Yes. And we don't have enough transportation assets to address all the needs and the expressed demand that is out there. Yeah. Right. So you you could, I I mean, you could name any public program out there and I'm sure that the top need is we can't, we need transportation. We can't get enough people there. Mm -hmm. And so I also think in this consideration, we, and we talk about this a lot in the office, we underestimate the number of people in our communities that are not accessing the transportation networks at all. Uh, for any number of reasons, and really, and and you've heard me, and if Jared, I'm looking at Jared's empty chair, <laughs> right, and he's not there. But yeah. if he was here, he would know that you know I've talked on this show and I've ranted here in the office about um, our dependence on the car. Yeah. But the reality is, if you're if you live in a rural community mm-hmm. and you don't own a car, or you can't, or you choose not to, your mobility options. And your ability to interact with all the things of daily life is severely limited. Yeah. I mean, I think that's not a reach in any way. And I'm operating with optimism that these new technologies could help bring people into those transportation networks, meet their needs, mm-hmm. help them experience a, a more full and rich um, participatory life in yeah. all the things that they want and need to do. Yeah. So I'm optimistic for that. And so I don't have this data in front of me, but I know um, if you go to the census, uh, one, of the da- one of the data points that they track is zero car households. And I- I'm, I'm unprepared at the moment, but basically there, there are more zero car households in census tracts across Southeastern Ohio than you would believe. It's, it's a higher number than yeah. you would think. And um, I'll find something and put it 
put it in the show notes. And so also what I've witnessed is in these most rural communities, um, there's a desire for what I would kind of jokingly call like New York city level public transportation. Yeah. I I want something to pick me up at my front door. Mm -hmm. I want it to take me comfortably and quickly to my destination. And when I walk out of that destination, Mm -hmm. I want it to be there or be there within minutes or seconds. And I want it to take me back to my house. Yeah. And that's the expectation of of public transit and, and public transportation. And unfortunately, what it would cost to do that in mm-hmm. Pomeroy, Ohio, or yeah. Lowell, Ohio, or Beverly, Ohio, is astronomical. And unless we, yeah. as a nation, just commit to that as our moonshot, and yeah. we're willing to spend all the money on it, we we will probably never get that. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. I'm so, coming to the end here, Sam. Then we right. can banter. No, you're fine. You're fine. So. Knowing that there's, there's really limited fixed route transit service in Southeastern Ohio, meaning a regular, repeating, reliable, known route. Yeah. You know, that happens in Marietta. It happens in Athens. There's some around Logan. Yeah. Um, but other than that, there really isn't anything else. All other public transportation is really what we call demand response. So you schedule a time. Hey, I've got to go to the doctor tomorrow at 10 a.m. Um, you schedule your ride or you, you, you do kind of like an Uber type of situation that can, um, there are transportation brokers that kind of work as the middleman to help you find a ride from a number of public entities or, or charitable entities. Like, Hey, maybe the, maybe the VA could give you a ride. Maybe this church group can give you a ride. Maybe JFS could give you a ride. Maybe this, uh, other group can give you a ride. So everything is demand response or this kind of on demand type of thing. It's, it's not, um, regular, um, fixed route transit. Yeah. You don't have the luxury to just, just on a whim, you know, step outside of your house to the bus stop. Yeah. Right. And so our communities are left kind of with this patchwork of small networks to make, to make do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's challenging. And that's just the reality that our rural communities face. And again, that's where I operate with optimism that new technology connected and autonomous vehicles can help fill that gap. Yeah. Yeah. And so kind of my final note is on that transit piece is that um, those services do work excellently. I mean, the transit systems we have out in these rural communities, they work wonderfully, quite honestly. Yeah. The challenge is it's, it's great if you need one ride. So, Sam, if you have an interview for a job and you've got to get there in the morning, mm. yes, no pro- slam dunk, no problem. Yeah, going to nail it. But if you need a ride at a certain time every single day, and especially if that time is not during normal working hours. You know, if you, if you, if you are a long-term unemployed person and you get a job yeah. and that job is, you know, working from 10 PM to 5 AM, unless you buy or get a car or have a really good friend or a family member that can take you, yeah, there's no transportation options for that. So having that reliable ongoing option for folks is, is really kind of where the challenge is. And that's yeah. the kind of service that our folks need. So yeah. all that being said, um, I have great optimism that connected and autonomous vehicle technologies can have huge benefit yeah. in rural communities and bringing people into our transportation networks, helping them do the things they need to do to achieve a higher quality of life, mm-hmm. um, helping them have better interactions with our environment and, and their friends and family and their networks. And I just, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I mean, I know there are, I'm, and I'm, I'm intentionally not addressing here you know, in a hundred years when there are autonomous vehicles, people that drive trucks or drive these things 
could be without a job. Yes. Yeah. Um, I still think that part is probably far away. Yeah. But um, hopefully those folks will, or those positions will have transitioned to other things. So I'm, yes, I, I'm, I'm admitting to you, listener, I'm intentionally admitting that here to, yeah. uh, don't kill my positive vibe. Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm optimistic for that. And those are the comments I'm going to give on the panel with some other experts across the state. I'm, I'm yeah. really excited to be a part of that. And I just gave you, you yeah. don't have to tune in now. Oh man. I, I've given you everything. I'm done. I, I gave everybody everything. I don't want to listen to any other pan, yeah. any other panelists. Just yeah. I'm done. So do you have any, you have any feedback on that or any I, takes on that? I think, I think in the conversation of that, people need to realize that, you know, we, you know, what you just ended on is that we're looking at it in probably more favor of how, how these services like those vehicles will get people to where they need to go. Sure. Not so much of the mass transit or logistics or, you know, logistic economy. Yeah. That yeah, kind I'm of, saying that it like of, it's easy. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's strictly to get people connected because we do this when we drive around have done it recently. I did it this weekend with my wife as we're going out to, uh, out in the country to visit her sister is always like, I'm always like, how do people live? like what caused, you know, we've, why do yeah. people, why do people live there? Right. Like what? And I look at it. I live in a little suburb just outside of town. Sometimes there's a tractor that I pass. It, it's not much between my neighborhood and Marietta, the actual city boundaries, but you know, I still live right on the outside. Yep. I can't, I have to drive into town. I mean, I could ride a bike. I, I, I could ride a bike, but more, you know, I'm dependent on the vehicle. So I can't be, I'm kind of a hypocrite. I'm like, why, why that person choose to live right there? Um, but we realize that a lot of these people have been, um, especially the ones that are, are unable to have a car, can't afford having a car, have the more yep. difficulty getting the service and getting to where they need to. Yep. They probably grew up in that home. Yep. They were given that home all in a time where we've, they've been alive in the transition of the car yes, and our need on the car. So we have to fix that. It's like the spider web that has lost all these legs and people are just deserted out there yep. by no fault of their own. Because, you know, if they grew up out there in a little small village or even just a little no name and unincorporated little community at one point had a, had a supermarket, had a hardware store, had mm-hmm. some, everything they needed right there. Mm-hmm. So even though they had a car, they didn't need a whole lot of stuff. Yep. Now, I would say maybe on the other end of like social services or any type of help there, it'd be interesting to see they probably still needed help, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if they had, if you had to get to the city, right? If you had to go somewhere especially, but general day-to-day stuff, they weren't dependent on going too far. Yep. And uh, so that's, that's the first and foremost, I guess I want to say is, and our listeners out there probably drive through rural areas all the time. They live in rural areas or they work for them, you know, and they're in the cars all the time. Yep. But we're looking at this more or less of trying to, how to connect people back together with communities or the services they need. So here's a little data on kind of the economic impact of a car. Yeah. Uh, and what it takes to own and operate and maintain a car. And I think you've heard us say on this podcast before, you know, um, you'd be shocked to know how many people out there are a flat tire away from poverty, yeah. right? They're, yeah. they're, they're barely making it. They have a car, you know, cars are expensive yes. and the maintenance is expensive. Insurance is expensive. And so to some, you know, Samurai, we get a Sam or I did that the exact same thing last time. Yes. Samurai. Samurai. Uh, one of us gets a flat tire or maybe you listen or get a flat tire. That's like a bad morning. Mm-hmm. 
uh, there are a lot of folks out there that live on that razor's edge and a flat tire means they can't get to their minimum wage job and then they're in trouble. Maybe they lose that job. Then that's a threat to their lifestyle. It's just a, it's just a vortex of negativity yeah. and it's a challenge. And, and I don't, we, we have to begin to address those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah. So this data that I'm looking at is, is from a, a recent article I found on MG news and it's talking about the state of Maine. And it says transportation annually in Maine uh, costs the average household thirteen thousand five hundred dollars, yeah. um, which in, in that state is about thirty percent of their household income. So think about that. Okay. Um, and then it says here it just says rural drivers tend to have higher fuel and repair costs because they log seventy two percent of the vehicle miles traveled each year in Maine. Um. Rural households in Maine have lower average incomes that yet they spend 7% more on transportation than urban families. Um, so, so obviously there's a financial, there's a financial consideration to be made here is that, um, again, the, 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 the automobile is limiting, right? And if you don't or can't have one, it, it, creates a lot of challenges in yes. your day-to-day life. Um, Sam, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking of another, another thing. Um, <clears throat> in my previous life, I was the Ohio representative to a, a national uh, transportation planning council. And <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking of this, and you're going to laugh when I tell you. Um, so one of the biggest epidemics, one of the biggest issues that was going on in communities across the country were senior citizens driving their Jazzy 5000 motorized scooter thing yeah on the road and it was causing traffic accidents and this was a huge and and like this was a huge enough issue that like dot's were taking notice of this yeah and so i just feel sad to know that you know my 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 hypothetical grandmother has no other option (laughs) to go to the grocery store to get the cookies that i love than to drive her jazzy out on the public street and put everybody at risk, you know? And yeah. so, and so those are the scenarios I'm, th- I'm that's the listener. I know that's trivial, Yeah. but I'm saying people are going to do what they have to do. And, well, and yeah. that's a dangerous option. And, and so I'm optimistic that we could give folks better options than driving your motorized wheelchair or your, 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 your mobility assistance device out on the road yes. to, to do what you need to do for your daily life. Yeah. That's Lock, scary to me. Yeah. Lawnmower, you know, right. a- anything that you kind of have that has, has wheels. That's not, not, that's not a car has been on the road. I've seen little CC motors been, you know, put on a little motorcycle or a little bike, you know, and made it kind of a, a low, low cost, what I had around in the garage turned into a, a bike that can now, you know, get me going. Right. And it might be loud. It might be annoying, but it's going to get me where I need to go. And I don't have to break a sweat, you know, to, to get there. Yep. And it's not a matter that it's funny in that sense that the Jazzy 5000 is the new, is the new, you know, the new, the new hot ride, but it's just that, you know, it, the car has created a problem that is that, you know, that, yeah. that it's the, the road is used for way more than a car sure. anymore. Well, and, and we've developed our communities in, this, in, a, in a, such a manner that all of these things are only accessible by car pretty much yeah. in most places. It's, it's not designed with pedestrians in mind. No. I think how much people get mad that there are pedestrians on, on, car, on roads that don't have sidewalks or, sure. or the grandma that's on her jazzy sure. or, the, or the guy that's on his lawnmower. 
I ride my lawnmower from my house down to my grandparents' house in my little suburb, and I don't care who's <laughs> behind me because I got somewhere to go, and I'm going to cut their yard for Send them an email at support at mytownhouse.com. Yeah. But, but because I'm taking back the road, you know, it's, uh, there's no sidewalks there for me to get to. Yeah. And I know there's down the street from me, there's a guy that rides his lawnmower around, and I think to work. Yeah. Um, at the local gas station. So, so so think about how that could be improved if we had other options. Yeah. So think about this, Sam. I know we live in a historic town, and you know we love history. I love history. Mm-hmm. Me too. And if you come to Marietta, you will see in our streets remnants of streetcars. I mean, the tracks are still on. We have yeah. we have brick streets in our downtown. We still have some of these segments of rail cars, mm-hmm. and those rail cars were electric. Yeah. And uh, people really pine for the nostalgia of the electric streetcar, and I think it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that would ever, we would ever have those back. Mm-hmm. But, but imagine if we could have an eight-passenger, small, autonomous or semi-autonomous shuttle that just oh. looped our downtown. I mean, we have a college. Yeah. Uh, we have a senior center. You know, folks could go to the grocery store. Folks could come downtown. Folks could go to the river. Um, folks could go to, there's doctors down, there's doctor's offices down here. There's dentists, there's all those things. I mean, imagine if a connected or autonomous vehicle could help manage some of those trips and you, and you didn't have to have a car and, and it would be cool. And that's actually already happened. Listeners, if you, if you Google, um, uh, drive Ohio and COSI autonomous shuttle, there was an autonomous shuttle that, that, uh, if you're not familiar with Ohio, there's a science center in downtown Columbus. Mm And the, it ran a 1.5 mile uh, loop, yeah, and and ferried passengers. Now there was a driver, uh, uh, there was a driver behind the wheel, but it was it was a fully autonomous yeah. as a test, yeah, and uh, it seemed to work great. It was interesting. So just imagine if something like that could be in your community. And and this thing is smaller than a car, yeah, I, I would argue. So I've been um, again, I I'm just kind of full of optimism for what this could mean for rural communities that have transportation challenges and again I, i'm not it's a whole other podcast to talk about how do we get it and how do we pay yeah. for it and who spot who owns it and who sponsors it and I'll, I'll be honest with you um i was just gonna say that it's like if jared is here what do you say how because i'm thinking our listeners if they're in very rural areas you know right there who who's who's paying for it because we had a conversation about water associations yep. just off the mic like how many there are and um, because they have to serve, you know, the county and, you know, that's not really the county or the township or the community that's actually providing that water. It's a private business. So how would, you know, and we can get, I think you're right. It's another episode, but I think the more, the, the, the benefit and the potential that the pan that you have with this panel, what the drive Ohio is going to do is try to solve and answer those questions. Cause data, I feel like is, is very important. Yes. For these cars. So, yes. I mean, they need the signs on the roadway or, you know, for visually the driver, right? Like stops ahead. You need to stop. So the, the cars need to know those things too. When a stop, you know, when, when, when can you go right on red? When, when can you can't, you know, when, when is this a left only uh, when you have to have the green arrow, you know, there's so many different things that, that go into that. So. Um, there's still a lot of those things to figure out yep. in, in the rural part of it because you got hill, you got terrain, you got a lot of other things to, to yep. consider. On that note, um, Sam, you reminded mm-hmm. me, and I'll, I'll, leave, I'll close with this okay. comment. Um, about two years ago, I had the opportunity to testify um, in the Ohio House um, on a transportation issue, mm-hmm. and I had to follow um, 
Frazan Ahmed, who is the executive director of the Ohio Turnpike Commission. Okay. Super interesting guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's not listening, but if you're not listening, shout out to you. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot that day, and I have a lot of respect for the Turnpike Commission. And uh, a representative asked him point blank, uh, how close do you think we are to the connected and autonomous vehicle, you know, being ready for public roads? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm super paraphrasing here because this was two years ago, but I remember him, and you can probably find it on video. Yeah. I remember him saying something like, technology-wise, we're probably, you know, in the best case scenario, we're probably, you know, 10 years away. Like, yeah. this could be happening in 10 years technology-wise. To Sam's point, regulation-wise, insurance-wise, uh, liability-wise, all of those things, we're probably 15 years yeah. behind from that. The technology will be here before we have our act together and are ready to utilize it to our benefit. And I just yeah. thought that was super interesting because usually in every other aspect of life, it feels like we're waiting on the technology. Yeah. In this case, the technology has outpacing humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and it'll be here before, probably before we're fully ready for it. Yeah. Um, so, and I say that's probably happening on, on, on a lot of other spectrums of technology, sure. that it's way ahead of where yeah. we're at thinking about it. So I, I just, I just, you know, thanks, you know, Sam, thanks for entertaining this, this mm. conversation yeah. and this idea. Um, I'm, I'm super optimistic for what this can mean for real communities. Yeah. Um, I, I know it's not going to be without challenges, but I, I just know that transportation is just a huge challenge and anything that we can do to kind of help press that forward. I think we're all for it. And I'm just, yeah. I'm really excited. Yeah. And listeners out there, if you're a community, I mean, if you have these problems, you've addressed them, whether you've addressed them, I think maybe on a local or regional, like transportation aspect of it, of an agency of some kind that are, uh, that are utilizing something out there that we'd love to share that are yeah. addressing these problems, because there's so many variables that, um, you know, create the issue for someone maybe to get to where they need to go, whether, you know, uh, I told Brett example would be, you know, what if you went somewhere and you got held up? Um, from just uh, checking out, you know, and your and your bus, your your ride's gone. You know, there's all these types of variables at play. So I think uh, if we can hear from back anybody, that'd be great. So yep. Yep. and just know that there are ways out there, and just keep thinking about how do we how do we keep connecting yeah. people? Right? Be, be open to all the options to help you know find solutions to these issues. Yeah. It's not probably going to be in all the things we've done before. We're going to have to press forward. Yeah. So I think we'll end it there. What do you think, Jared? Yeah. We're cool with it? Sounds good, guys. Good, I, good, I like good, it. Good. I wish I could do his voice <laughs> or a voice that he does, but. I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't developed a good Jared impression yet. Uh, yeah, I've got to work either. on it. Hey guys, hey, guys. Jared's a big runner. We're going to make fun of him a little I'm bit. jacked big... up out of my gore. <laughs> gets real excited here in the office. Yeah, it gets all excited. He comes, goes on a run, gets a good idea, and come, comes in all hot. So. He does. Yeah. He unloads it on us. Yeah. So in that, in that respect, we'll, uh, we'll sign off. Yes. If you liked the episode, make sure you uh, give us a review. Uh, give us a like on whatever podcast platform you listen to and give us uh, feedback too. Uh, emails. Yeah. We get some emails, uh, support at mytownhustle.com. Uh, check out our Facebook page, uh, comment on there. Uh, we love hearing from people and until next time. Thank you for listening to my town hustle. We would greatly appreciate it. If you would share our podcast with someone who you think would benefit greatly from it, but most importantly, subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever platform you consume your podcasts. It would mean the world to us until next time, folks. Thanks for listening.